Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Since his first days in office, President Trump has repeatedly vowed to loosen the leash on Wall Street with less regulations. But some of the regulators' most meaningful efforts to revamp post-crisis constraints on big banks are running into problems. Joining me is Robert Hockett, a professor at Cornell Law School. Bob, let's begin with the Volcker Rule, which restricts banks from making risky market bets with their own money. Federal agencies rushed to rewrite it, issued an overhaul plan last last May. Tell us about Volcker 2.0. So the Volcker case is actually quite interesting. On the one hand, I think it's sort of maybe best to look at it as sort of poetic justice in two distinct ways. The first way is that you might remember the original knock on the Volcker rule itself was that it was sort of too clever by half, that something like Glass-Steagall was much more effective just because it was so much simpler, more easily administered and more easily complied with. Volcker tried to sort of get things a little bit more precise, right, to try to retain as much of the legitimate market making and hedging activity as possible while still screening out the so-called speculative stuff. That required a great deal of tinkering. And one way then of looking at what's going on now as they try to redo it is that, well, you know, you're working on something that was already quite complicated. Mm -hmm. And so the work on it is quite complicated as well. That's the first sense in which there's poetic justice. The second is this, you know, Mr. Trump, uh, of course, campaigned on a kind of anti-Wall Street pro-industrial renewal sort of platform. And of course, it's been anything but since he took office, right? He seems to be all about deregulating Wall Street and doing very little for industry, as far as I can tell. And so, you know, here we are. He's trying then to, you know, kind of take the leash off. But he's bungling this just as much as he seems to have bungled infrastructure and reindustrialization. So I guess there's a kind of poetic justice in that, too. He's basically being forced to comply with his campaign promises, which were, of course, not to deregulate Wall Street further, but to re-regulate it. What is in the Volcker reproposal that makes it unacceptable to much of the banking community? I think it's basically that they're still having difficulty coming up with a sort of easily administered, easily complied with definition of legitimate hedging and market making activity on the one hand as distinguished from not so legitimate, purely speculative activity on the other hand, right? So they're trying to kind of continue sort of with the spirit of Volcker, but maybe to allow a little bit more trading than Volcker in its sort of 1.0 rendition to continue with your metaphor was allowing. But that turns out to be quite difficult to do for the very same reasons, essentially, that Volcker 1.0 was difficult to do. Another key proposal from Trump regulators that's hit a stumbling block as well would revise what's known as the leverage ratio rule. <laughs> You're laughing. Tell us what happened with that. Well, this one, this one's funnier than ever. I mean, you know, there's a sort of uh, certain sort of keystone cops quality, right, to the case with the Volcker rule, but it's even more keystone cops when it comes to the leverage ratio. They left out the FDIC in the proposed rulemaking, right? So basically, it was just the OCC and the Fed that engaged in the sort of new rulemaking or the new sort of formulation 
violation of the rule, basically because the FDIC was still being run by Obama leftovers, right, when they formulated the rule. The problem with that is that the FDIC is the principal capital regulator, right? So it's a little bit, you know, like sort of changing the local traffic laws without, you know, notifying the local police, right? It just makes no sense at all. So the FDIC is being asked to sort of approve or sign off, but of course the FDIC has to do its own analysis on any sort of proposed rule and has to do its own proposing to the public and to take comment, you know, the notice and comment period seeking input from the public is something that the FDIC also has to go through. So it can't just sign off on what the Fed and the OCC have given it, particularly given that it is, again, the primary capital regulator. So they're going to have to go back to the drawing board on this one. So it's another case of uh, total, total bungling. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. The timeline obviously is moving up, but will delays have any effect besides trying bankers' patience? Yeah, I think they will. I mean, so it takes a while to go through these rulemakings, right? And that's all thanks to Republican legislation in the past that tries to sort of limit the speed with which federal administrative agencies can do things, right? So it's a fairly lengthy process that's involved in any kind of rule change. That's one reason it took so many years to implement the Dodd-Frank statute itself, right? The, The regulations under that statute took a long time to promulgate because of all of these restrictions that Republicans long ago put on on administrative agencies when it comes to regulating. So now it's sort of, again, more poetic justice is sort of coming back to bite them. It's taking at least as long to redo these things. And of course, what that means in turn is that we're going to be well into the 2020 electoral season, I think, before they can come up with anything. And for that reason, I think in a way, those who are pro-regulation might actually be celebrating now that we sort of dodged a bullet. What wins has the financial industry notched under Trump? So there's several. Um, one, of course, is, you know, we sort of really began right away with uh, getting a buy on the so-called fiduciary rule when it comes to pension fund management, which, of course, took everybody by surprise in really 2017, because, again, Trump had campaigned in a kind of pro-pension fund anti-Wall Street sort of platform. And then he did a complete about face upon taking office. So that was a bit of a win for them, basically, you know, sort of overturning or sidelining the Department of Labor in its attempt to impose or keep imposing the fiduciary rule. It also, of course, got the changes that Congress itself has enacted over the last year or two to sort of lighten the load. Those were legislative victories. But again, the problem that they face now is that regulations have to be changed under those legislative changes. And that's what takes longer. So they have a kind of paper victory in the form of statutory change, but they don't have a victory so much on the ground until actual regulations are are developed and then implemented. And that's what takes longer. Again, ironically, thanks to Republican actions long ago taken to sort of slow down the rate at which agencies can do what they do. You know, Bob, with the EPA, a lot of its new regulations, new rules are challenged mm-hmm. in court because the EPA mm-hmm. didn't follow what they were supposed to do, the steps, one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Is that what's mm-hmm. happening with the financial regulators or is it something different? At this point, it's something different. Um, it's it's 
basically, I mean, they have to worry about litigation if they don't jump through all the hoops that Congress requires them to jump through, of course. But at this point, it's just the, it's the hoop jumping itself that's taking the time. The other thing that's sort of slowing things down is, again, sort of ironic. So this is the third set of ironies for you. The Fed is, of course, quite busy at the moment trying to uh, implement or develop rules that are designed to relax things even further for yet another class of institutions uh, that the Republican Congress uh, showed solicitude for in the last year or two. And that's the so-called community banks, the kind of mid-sized banks that have been getting uh, a bit of regulatory relief over the last year or two. Um, And of course, the Fed is now developing rules under that regulatory relief that was statutorily determined or, or legislated. And that's got that's taking up a lot of its time as well. That's Bob Hockett. He's a professor at Cornell Law School. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CutterEconomicForum.com.